live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a very good afternoon. Welcome. It's Monday, June 13th, the year 2022. Um, It's a absolute sizzler out there. Heat advisory, 90 Five degrees as we speak uh, with um, air quality at, well, I don't know what 114 means, but it can't be good. Um, it's hot, so be careful as you're out and about. Hydrate, take care of those pets. Welcome to the dog days of summer. We can't wait till it gets here because of the cold, and then all of a sudden after a day or two of this, we're all like, oh my gosh, when's the fall coming? Well, we got a long, long, long way to go. I uh, hope everybody had a great weekend. We kick off the work week with a very busy show planned for you and yours. My main man, James Mesh, producer extraordinaire, back in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 Lake Charles. We are streaming 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and in the Acadiana area we are simulcast stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry the blonde bomber has you covered here is Holtberg's headlines Has there ever been a team more vilified, more hated, more disgusted than the Tennessee Volunteer Baseball Team? My goodness, when they got beat by Notre Dame, you could hear a roar around the Southeastern Conference and around the country. Karma, they say. Well, whatever it may be, uh, the, the Tennessee Volunteers are one of the greatest regular seasons known to baseball mankind in college is done. So all this talk about the greatest college baseball team ever, done. You got to win it all to be in the loop, and um, they are not. Teams that are still involved, Texas A&M. Boy, how good is Jim Schlossnagel? Um, He's helped transform the Aggies into a college World Series contender once again after five college World Series appearances as the coach of TCU, first season in AM, big shoes to fill when the Aggies opted to move on from Rob Childress following the last season. Uh, the Aggies have continued their winning ways, and they are in the CWS in Schlossnagel's first season, one of three SEC teams to survive in advance. How about them Irish taking down number one Tennessee? Tennessee, did you know this, was 49-0 and this year, when leading after six innings, they blew their first game in the deciding game of the series. Notre Dame last made the College World Series in 2002 and has yet to win an NCAA championship in baseball. 
Oklahoma's women's softball team won the national championship. Now the men are trying to get win a national championship. They um, got into the College World Series, knocking off number four-ranked Virginia Tech in the process. They're angling for their fir- third College World Series victory, their first since 1994. Texas drubbed East Carolina on Sunday to head to their 38th College World Series. They've won six national titles with their last coming in 2005. And the Omaha Hogs are back. Head coach David Van Horn is no stranger to Omaha. Under his watch, the Arkansas Razorbacks have made it to the College World Series seven times since 2003. They finished runner-up to Oregon State in 2018, still searching for that elusive College World Series title. And the Ole Miss Rebels didn't travel far, just to Hattiesburg. They downed Southern Miss in two games to make it to their sixth College World Series. Wow. Um, Is there a team hotter than the Ole Miss Rebels? They made it into the NCAA tournament as the nation's last at-large bid, and they knocked off Arizona, Miami, and Southern Miss to make it to the College World Series. Wow. Um, They didn't do well early, but it's not how you start, right? It's how you finish. So we will see uh, who else makes it into Omaha. Can the Auburn Tigers get it done? Well, they will have a chance later on this evening at 630 as they take on Oregon State. Win, you move on, lose, season over. And the other super regional, uh, number two seeded Stanford and Connecticut, UConn. So can the SEC have four teams in this thing? We shall see. What a weekend it was for one Rory McIlroy as uh, he won the Canadian Open, took a jab at the Greg Norman, who is um, in charge of the Live Golf Tour. He's now got uh, 21 major uh, PGA Tour championships. And uh, Greg Norman has 20. And what a great harbinger for Rory McIlroy, who is the early betting favorite for the U.S. Open that starts this Thursday at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. So golf's third major will get underway this week. What a series it has been for Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors who bounced back and won game four in Boston to tie the series at two games apiece. Game five, the always pivotal game five tonight in San Francisco as the Warriors will host the Boston Celtics and winner of game five, a lot, a very high percentage to go on and win uh, the series. The New Orleans Saints will get their mandatory minicap underway tomorrow, starting Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And great news for New Orleans Saints kicker Will Lutz, who missed the entire 21 season with an injury. He has been cleared to resume kicking duties. On an Instagram post, he stated, quote, after 11 months, multiple surgeries and setbacks and constantly wondering what's next, I've been officially cleared. No words can explain how hard these 11 months have been mentally and physically, but it's added a whole new perspective and motivation to get back to the top. While that is about the story of a current saint, 
words getting out more and more and more about the Miami Dolphins and their affinity with Sean Payton. Apparently, the Dolphins wanted Payton so badly this offseason that they were apparently ready to offer him a record-setting contract. According to the Miami Herald, the Dolphins were ready to offer Payton a five-year deal worth $100 million to coach the team, which should have made it the second known $100 million coaching contract, but with one key difference. When John Gruden got his $100 million contract with the Raiders in 2018, that was for 10 years. Peyton's deal would have only covered five seasons, an astronomical $20 million per year if it had gotten done, but obviously it never happened. But both Tom Brady and Sean Payton, when asked, went the old uh, crawfish, didn't say yes, didn't say no, didn't deny, didn't say yes. They just kind of shuffled off the buffalo. So there you have it. The Manning Passing Academy is coming up uh, Thursday, June 23rd through Sunday, June 26th, of course, Arch Manning and his Newman team of seven on seven was in Baton Rouge um, for a little um, show and tell. And of interest in this note is uh, Brian Kelly, um, who is out there recruiting and doing what he has to do and trying to get it. Um, The big question, of course, on everybody's mind is who's going to be the starting quarterback for LSU. I don't know if you read between the tea leaves here. Garrett Nussmeyer certainly made things interesting. From my people who tell me he's the most improved player on offense from a year ago, but Brian Kelly is sending Miles Brennan to the Manning camp. And that tells me that if they start tomorrow, which they don't, but if they did, Miles is the guy to start the season. But apparently the pecking order is Miles Brennan closely followed by Garrett Nussmeyer, not the transfer from Arizona State. So we shall see along those lines. And those are some of your headlines of the day. Interesting stuff. We are uh, having a birthday. Yes, we are. The game's birthday. This is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years. Hard to believe. 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Why don't you join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, uh, amazing door prizes, including station swag, like the shirt I'm wearing right here, Astros tickets, nice, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, uh, car washes from The Wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and so much more. Now, in addition to all that, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. Our guest list today will kick things off. Ralph Marlborough, who has the uh, inside skinny on the Saints, will preview training camp. Uh, Billy Embody on 3.com, our recruiting analyst, will tell us how the weekend went. I was uh, in Baton Rouge and uh, right nearby where LSU takes their players every time they come on a recruiting trip. Um, And uh, Texas Day Brazil was packed with LSU talent or what they hope to be LSU talent. Brian Kelly drove up in his uh, in his fancy um, 
vehicle and um, made his appearance, hobnobbed around, did what he had to do, and went home. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so Billy Embody will share it, thoughts with that. We're getting closer and closer to the NBA draft. John Chepkevich, one of our draft analysts, uh, will try and narrow down who's going to be around at the eighth spot with the Pelicans and get his thoughts on the NBA Finals. Karaski Melvin, KLFY, will join us, talk all things Acadiana. And Adam Spencer, Saturday down south in hour number two, uh, we'll talk about the college baseball team still involved in the College World Series. Can Auburn join that list of three? Uh, and we'll get his thoughts on SEC with uh, the scheduling, the alignment, how soon before Texas and Oklahoma come because of all the four teams from the AAC that are now going to be in the Big 12. How, how does that speed things up or not? So we'll go over all those things. We're so glad you're with us. Uh, this is the Jordy Heltberg Show. We are on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and we're kicking off our number one with Ralph Marlboro. Saints Talk, next. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back 18 minutes after the hour on a very hot, toasty Monday, June 13th. It'll be fun on Airline Drive as Saints begin mandatory minicamp tomorrow. Um, so I thought we'd bring in uh, one of my favorite guests who is a uh, contributing Saints writer at WWL-TV the host of the best Saints pod on earth with the Saints happy hour. He's comedic in nature, um, very informed and very focused. Uh, the one and only Ralph Marlboro. Ralph, thanks for the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jordy. I feel like I'm melting. I, had, I just came back from my dream vacation with my family. We saved up. We went to Paris. And oh. it was like 70 degrees. Oh. I got off the plane in Houston. It's like 110 with a heat warning. I oh feel God. like I melted into a puddle in like six seconds. God, I, I went to Paris so long ago, but that metro that they have, uh, why we don't do that in the States is beyond me. That but, underground subway, it's the greatest, isn't it? It's the, it's the greatest, especially if you're like me and you're a terrible driver and you hate driving. I was like, oh, my God, what's your favorite part? I'm like, I didn't have to get in my car for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well i'm glad you had a great trip uh welcome back in, welcome back to the summertime in the south um good news on the eve of saints uh mandatory minicamp will lutz hey that's that might be one of the best off-season pickups he's healthy cleared and ready to go yeah it is and i think you know as we sort of we sort of get up. We got obsessed in the off season, right? Of like Michael Thomas. We're like, just get Michael. Just give us an Instagram of like you running like three quarter speed or catching a pass, so we can feel better. And I think we were all obsessed about that. But the one thing that I kept in my back of the mind, Jordy, I was like, Will Lutz better get healthy because the Saints' kicking game it was an abomination last year. Like it cost them games. It nearly cost them a bunch more, and they had multiple different kickers. And and Will Lutz was just tremendous when he was helping with the Saints. And it's one of those things where kicker can really, you know, and the Saints are going to be in this position, even if everything goes right this year, they're probably looking at like maybe a 10, 11 win team. 
And the difference between nine and eight and eleven and seven or eleven and six is, you know, you you had to cycle through three kickers instead of having Will Lutz, right? So I think it's one of the, it was one of those underrated things that I was worried about. But now that he's cleared to go, um, he'll be back to normal. And you know he he has been clutch for the Saints. I mean, you think of that kick that he made against Texans in 2019, the season opener. So having a top flight kicker for the Saints is just sort of sort of to me it solidifies their season and, and really solidifies their floor. More as a team of like they're not gonna they're not gonna win less than eight nine games. Wait, when you start getting taken for granted as a kicker, that means you're really really good. And when you don't have them, then you go, wow, we really did take that guy for granted. And great news that he's back. Um, now the reports are coming from the Miami Herald that the the Dolphins really wanted Sean Payton. Apparently, they were willing to offer him. A five-year deal worth one hundred million dollars. How how much do you believe that? Because if it's the truth, how do you turn that down? I mean, well, the thing is, you got to remember with the Dolphins right before him. You know, the rumor was like it was going to be Brady and it was going to be Sean Payton. Right before all that sort of finally went into motion, they had the Brian Flores lawsuit and all that, and the, yeah. and the tanking True. allegations against the owner. So probably Sean Payton and Tom Brady were like, Man, we're not coming. Like, that's too much heat for us. We're not dealing with that after the whole Brian Flores thing with the Dolphins. But I'll say this, Jordy, and I've, I've been saying this for a while. I think part of Nicky Loomis's calculation of I'm going to trade for a I'm going to trade the, the future 2023 first away, and we're going to get two players in the building in the first round this year. I think part of his calculation for that is he is betting that Sean Payton is just taking a year off. He's not going to be out for long. And listen, you have teams like the Cowboys, the Chargers, that they sort of flag, the Jets, right? If Dale and make one, I think there's going to be a market for Sean Payton. I'm not saying that the Saints are going to get two firsts and two seconds like, like the Raiders got for John Gruden. But there's going to be a team that's going to be out there and they're going to have a good quarterback, and they're going to say, we don't care that we have to give up the 20th pick for Sean right. Payton. And I think the Saints I agree. are going to re- are recoup. And I think, I think it's, not a, it's not 100% certain, because you never know. But I think that's part of what Mickey Loomis said. He made a calculated gamble that I'm going to get a first-round pick for Sean Payton, or I'm going, to get a, I'm going to get two seconds or whatever it is, and we're going to have enough picks. I'm going to get another guy in the building in 2022 to help us win now. And listen, Jordy. You're telling me that if the cow the Cowboys, I really believe this wholeheartedly, that Mike McCarthy, he's not equipped to deal with the oncoming Sean Payton hurricane. Because you you're in me, you know this. ESPN, the Cowboys drive their bus. It makes them them money. The Cowboys start zero and one. What's going to be the lead on get up and first take? It's going to be is Mike McCarthy going to get fired and Sean Payton going to be the coach? And it's just going to build and build and build. And I think. I think it's going to be Dallas. I think it's going to be the Chargers. I think, and I think the Jets could be in there too. The Saints are going to get the Saints are going to get something for Sean Payton. And here's here's the tip to me that I, I that t- tells me Sean Payton is 100 percent just taking a year off and he's coming back to coaching. His job that he took in the media, he's the substitute teacher for the Fox pregame show. Like he's going to fill in when Jimmy Johnson doesn't feel like being on and he just wants to fish on his boat or not go to Los Angeles. So he's going to be on the Fox pregame show like five or six times. That's a guy, to me, he's coaching again. He just wants to take a break. He wants to recharge. If he was seriously not going to coach anymore, 
he would have taken a play, he would have taken a court, he would have taken, you know, a commentator job, or he would have taken a yeah. full-time media job. He did. He's coming. He's coming back. Good point. I agree 1,000%. Ralph Marlboro, kind, of, kind enough to join us. If I said to you the comeback player of the year for the New Orleans Saints is going to be Adam Troutman, would you laugh at me? <laughs> I would say I was the president and CEO of the Adam Troutman fan club going into last year. But he was so bad that I had to I had to rescind my position. Like I just, ooh, like a tight end for the Saints. Like I just think with them, it's got it's it's going to be Taysom Hill. And the thing about Taysom, I think he's going to be okay at tight end. I just don't know, Jordy, if he's over thirty. He has the two busted feet. You know, he has an injury history a mile long. So I don't know how much Taysom Hill can give them. But I just look at Troutman. And I was like, I just, I don't, I don't know if he, if he can do it. Because the thing with him last year, he was such a net negative. You remember the game, the drop in the first Atlanta game. Remember the Tennessee game where the, the Saints are like, hey, we got to go for two to tie the game. We're yeah. running the Taysom Hill power play. They called Tennessee, called timeout, and the Saints are like, we don't care that you call timeout. No one can stop this play. They were going to line up and run it again. He jumped up. He all started. Yeah. So, like, yeah. he's got a, he got such a long way to go. I want to be with you, but I, but I got I got crushed last year because I was all about I was on the I, could, I invented the Troutman train and it wrecked and I'm scared to get back on. <laughs> oh, Ralph Marlborough, you're the best. Um, don't you think Michael Thomas is kind of motivated? I mean, he, he hasn't played in so long. He was regarded as the best receiver in all of football mm-hmm. after that one year that he had that was astronomical. And now nobody's talking about him because out of sight, out of mind. Um, I, I hope he's a very hungry player. I don't know him from a man in the moon. What do people say about Michael Thomas? How what, what kind of dude is he? Well, he's he's a diva, but that's all receivers. And but he's maniacally hardworking. The, the thing is, he's a little stubborn, right? He didn't want to have he, he pushed the operation off, and he didn't contact with the Saints, and that sort of set his rehab back. The one thing I'll say about him, and it's the same thing for Jameis, too, this is it for both of those guys. Because if Michael Thomas, if he's not healthy, that's three years three years in a row of not being healthy, and NFL teams just won't tolerate it, right? Like the Saints will just cut him and move on, and they'll just swallow the cap hit. They'll, break, they'll cut him after June 1st next year, break it into two parts, and be like, hey, we gave him a big contract, then he got hurt. What are you going to do? Because three years of not playing is, is the end for him. And it's the same with Jameis. Like, if Jameis doesn't succeed with the same, or he gets injured again, teams are going to be like, we're not going to bet on you to be our franchise quarterback. Like, this is it for Jameis, too. But as far as Michael Thomas, like, if, if he can just be, if he can just get to me, sort of like 80 to 85% healthy, he'll be, he'll be a really good receiver because his strengths are meticulous route running. And he just out-muscles people for the ball. So his mm-hmm. speed isn't necessarily critical for him. Now, will he be as dominant as he was? I don't know. But I, I think he's going to be if – he, if he's healthy, if that ankle is good enough, I can't see a scenario where he plays and we're like, he's completely cooked and worthless. I just think his, his skill set is going to be enough to where if he plays and he's healthy enough to go, he'll still be like a 70, 80 – catch guy. I mean, it's not going to be the offensive player of the year, and maybe you say, hey, 
he's not worth what we're paying him, but I still think he's going to have a really good year. Let me tell you, if he gets close to 2019, Michael Thomas, the Saints, they are going to be incredible on offense. Jarvis Landry and Olave and Kamara. And remember, Jordy, they were so beat up last year. We forget. They had basically two forfeits because of COVID, right? right. They were missing both of their tackles. I mean, that game where they played, I would say the game where they played against Buffalo, where they played Trevor Simeon, and the game where they played Miami and were missing like half the team, those basically were like forfeits and almost the, the, the first Carolina yeah. game, too. I, You're right. The expert experts are like forgetting how beat up and injured yeah. this team was. I mean, they had that game where they're playing. They're 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 literally they're literally sitting guys for uniforms, and they're like, "Yeah, he's playing. He's starting on Monday night." Like, I, I mean, that Monday night game against the Dolphins was a fiasco and an embarrassment yeah. for the NFL, yeah. and yet they still went nine and eight. So I just have this tremendous optimism. And Jordy, can I just say this too, before we get out of here? Mickey Loomis, he is the luckiest son of a gun on the face of the earth. How many moves has he wanted to do that he couldn't do, and it ended up being like, oh my god, he's like Neo in in the Matrix, he dodged the bullet. I mean, think of they wanted Deshaun Watson. Can you imagine having to deal with that? If the Saints traded away three first-round picks and were like, oh my god, the list of, it's just a nightmare off we're dealing with it, or they were going to draft Ruben Foster, but the 49ers take him, and instead they take Ramchek. Like the list of like good fortune for Loomis, it goes on and on and on. And I just think <laughs> the Saints, like for whatever reason, Jordy, like it's falling into place this year. They get Honey Badger on a discounted contract. They yeah. get Landry on a just like yeah. it's just sort of I don't know what you call it, luck, good for whatever. But I just think it 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 doesn't it feel. Like everything's kind of fallen into place for the Saints in a way in the off season that hasn't in a while. I, I, I'm with you 100. I know you got to run, you got to go to a meeting, Ralph. Mm-hmm. I, I greatly appreciate it, but man, I got to go get a table at the old Metri Bar because Mickey Loomis is <laughs> is transforming it. He and, the, and some some other owners and partners into a, a rooftop dining spot in Metri. I got to go check that out soon. A classy. I like it. Uh, I just want to. I want to talk to Mickey. I just want to be near him and just have like five percent of his luck in his life rub off on me. That man, like he is, he is blessed. Like any pothole that he's about to step on, the universe just intercedes and like, no, Mickey, you're good. <laughs> Ralph, get out of here, man. Thanks for the time. Right. Welcome back from from Paris, and uh, we always enjoy talking to you, buddy. Thank you. All right, any anytime, Jordan. You got it, man. Um, I right. rescue is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo band, Russo band, Jet Seven, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville and Cam Nelson. There'll be plenty of food, games, even a raffle. Now, Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss to buy tickets Go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. LSU football, recruiting, and all that stuff uh, coming up next here. Billy and Body on 3.com, on the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers. We'll be back. Fight time! <laughs> 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's pretty cool. Some good imaging coming back out of break. Uh, 36 minutes after the hour. Let's hit the very latest on LSU football recruiting and anything else involved in recruiting with um, our good friend from On3.com, recruiting analyst Billy Embody. Billy, man, it's been a long time, man. How have you been? I'm doing great, Jordy. How about you? I'm good. It's hot out there, man. Um, uh, but uh, what else is what else is new, right? Uh, all right, so busy weekend, right? A little seven-on-seven seven camp and some uh, high-profile recruits. Why don't you uh, Why don't you give us the lowdown? What have you heard? What have you learned from the weekend? You know, it was uh, quite the weekend for LSU. I mean, between the seven-on-seven seven camp they had, as well as uh, official visitors on campus, eight of them to be exact. Uh, it was a busy weekend, and you know the thing is, though, they've really managed this summer really well. Just the way they've broken up the camps and the official visits, uh, it's not something where they're kind of stacked on top of each other right now. Um, and so they've been able to kind of focus on letting the guys come in, you know, see what um, you know campus is all about, get the academic tours out of the way, and then go about their the rest of their official visits. So. Um, you know, they've done a really nice job, and, and I think they're going to build a little bit of momentum here. All right. So, of course, the headline was uh, Arch Manning and the Newman 7-on-7 seven seven squad. You were there. You got to watch him. Is, is he all that uh, they say he is, or is this just the Manning name that's hyping this, this train? You know, I, I will say, and LSU fans aren't going to like this, but uh, I think he – think he is all that he's uh, hyped up to be quite honestly I mean he was just really impressive very much in command of uh, you know his his you know offense went through his progressions well um, here or there I mean you know altered a little bit with some ball placement but for the most part I mean he was on the money um, and and throws a really catchable ball you know I think that's something that stands out um, they do have will Randall and they do have Kai Donaldson two pretty impressive prospects in their own rights but and for the most part, I would say you know he needs to throw a football that's catchable for a guy like me in a way. Um, you know, in my younger days, they just don't have necessarily the elite talent that some of the other programs have as far as skill positions go. Mm-hmm. And so, for him to you know still be in command and and know that and you know know when to take heat off the ball um, and just make really good decisions for the most part, I, I think uh, he, was, he was really impressive to me. And you know, it just shows why he's one of the best prospects in the country. Um, the kid from, uh, Zachary, I think Holstein was, was an A&M commit. Now he is uh, going to Alabama. Um, there's no way Arch Manning's going to Alabama, is he? So what, 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 what's out there for him? I know he can go anywhere he wants, but what do you think? Where is it narrowed down to? Uh, I think Alabama is definitely in the mix. Uh, they, really? they, you know, just hosted him for an official visit, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and so I, I think they're they're definitely in the mix. They've been recruiting him a long, long time. Um, they've got a lot of ties to the family, and, and they've recruited him the right way um, to keep themselves in the mix. And, uh, you know, they've actually pitched the idea of them coming in as uh, Mac Jones and Tua Tungavailoa. You know, they were in the same class, and 
Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of want them to, to do it again. And so they're actually pitching one of them to you know, sit and, and kind of wait their turn and develop and the other one to come right in right away and, and play at a high level. So um, mm. it's a unique pitch, but it, it has worked out before for an Alabama duo mm. to sign together and uh, have success. So that's what they're pitching. But I do think Georgia and Texas are two schools that remain heavily in the mix, really sit in a good spot um you know as far as uh, um you know just having recruited them in a very similar way and 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 gotten a, a good bit of success in that regard so um it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up it's it's not open and shut though that it doesn't it doesn't go to alabama does lsu have a snowball's chance i heard there were some in ground you know some inroads that have been made with the the coach and the the the, the LSU coaching staff, and he's on campus a little bit. He's going to make an official visit, I think. Uh, do you give them any remote possible chance here? You know, I, I think they've got a small chance, but um, I okay. would say that that they're they're you know not likely uh, to get him right now. I mean, it's just uh, they it just doesn't seem like he's quite honestly that interested where you can just call them a legit contender although i would think you know he gets on campus for another visit i know lsu's tried to recruit him quietly and not really make a big deal out of it just knowing that um you know he is so highly touted he's got the the uh manning name and so they've really tried to be respectful of that and the way they recruit him but um, i just think right now he heads elsewhere gotcha uh billy Embody, kind enough to join us um any offers handed out over the weekend? Um, yeah, Jordan Matthews was a big one. Uh, a 2023 four-star defensive back, uh, somebody that you know LSU has evaluated for a while and ended up just needing to come back on campus camp uh, and and be able to you know see what uh, he could do in person. And he put down some really impressive track numbers this spring. Uh, and that, that kind of eased some concerns about his overall speed. And, um, you know, because of that, LSU went ahead and offered him. And uh, I think they're going to be a big player for him uh, uh, right away, quite honestly. Billy, I was told by someone that this is not the greatest year for high school football prospects in the state of Louisiana. Is that is that your feeling as well? Yeah, I think uh, it's a little... Um, it is a little down, quite honestly. Um, okay. It's just not where we've seen it in the past. And, and you know, I think they, um, you know, are having to go out of state for a lot of these guys because of it. And we're kind of seeing that reflected in certain positions and um, certain, you know, um, just just the way they're having to recruit. And so um, they're taking their time on some of their evals in the state. You know, there are guys that could very well earn offers. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think um, – they're in a position right now where they can get everything they need, so to speak, uh, in the state of Louisiana because it is kind of a down year in a way. Okay. All right. Um, that's that will ought to be in LSU's favor because of Brian Kelly and his staff and their nationwide recruiting. So maybe this is a year they have to do that a little bit more than than what they really want to. But we we will see. We know that Jake Johnson on the baseball front needs to, needs to get some pictures, and he got. Uh, Creighton's ace right-hander Dylan to break to announce his commitment to LSU as a grad transfer, the big East picture of the year for the second consecutive year. I don't know what that means. Big East and baseball, but um, 
sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's solid. That's a solid addition to your staff, and and you know I think they quickly got him on board after the season, knowing they needed to address that position. And uh, he's somebody that comes in right away with experience and um, had a 2.18, 2.81 ERA in uh, 17 appearances this season. And uh, he's got a lot of experience and, you know, he can come in and, and join this really highly touted recruiting class and, and be a factor right away on that staff. So a really nice pickup on the transfer front for uh, Jay Johnson and his staff for sure. Um Connecticut is one win away from going to the College World Series, and he struck out 13 of those batters. So that tells me something along those lines. Uh, So we'll see what happens along that front. Um, The job that uh, Matt McMahon has done has been remarkable. Um, I know they're still recruiting out there. Uh, Any new news on that front? You know, not too much. They filled out that roster and, and, uh, you know, really have it in a group good position right now uh, just the work they did was pretty incredible uh, overall and um, you know the roster looks really really good uh, Adam Miller you know the job they did to get him back on board was just unreal key. Um, yeah. and and he's going to be you know now that he's back and healthy going to be just an unreal uh, addition and we finally get to see him uh, you know play uh, at the SMU uh, at, at LSU and um, get in there and and you know, be a difference maker. I mean, he was somebody that was kind of viewed as a one-and-done type of player um, overall. So uh, he's somebody that I think, you know, the staff is really excited about getting to actually work with. Um, I know they weren't here last year, but just knowing the talent level that that he has, um, it's just is somebody that is going to be a complete difference maker and could be the reason why LSU makes a, a, a big run and, and, you know, challenges in the SEC. Yeah, I think I, th- I think um, I think all these teams are going to surprise people um, uh, along the way. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we're eighty three days away, believe it or not, from the start of the uh, college football season for LSU as they take on Florida State. And I'm curious. We talk about a lot of players, but um, one player I think, and I just wanted your viewpoint on him. He wasn't here as an early enrollee, but that's linebacker Harold Perkins. Um, I know you've told me before. Um, he's only one of four top five national prospects to sign with LSU in the past 10 years. Those other four, Leonard Fournette, pretty good. Derek Stingley Jr., pretty good. We don't know about Arik Gilbert, uh, but he was very highly regarded. Uh, Harold Perkins out of Cypress, Texas, um, seems to be a position of need um, with Damone Clark leaving, Bug Strong leaving, Michael, Micah Baskerville doesn't seem to be living up to the bill. I know there's Greg Jones, uh, Greg Penn the third, and Mike Jones, but seems like this kid's going to be tough to keep off the field. Yeah, I think you know the one thing you want to see from him is put on the weight that he needs to uh, to compete at that level uh, in the SEC week in week out. He is kind of um, it's kind of funny, you know, he weighs about 200 pounds, but he looks so much bigger and well put together, which is wild. I mean, he's got the speed to play safety. Um, he kind of reminds me, if he was taller, of kind of how Marcel Brooks was, where Marcel Brooks kind of wanted to play safety when he came in and ends up playing okay. defensive end, ends up playing linebacker. But, um, you know, Harold Perkins is, is you know, right in that 6'1", 6'2", range. And so he's got uh, that, that more shorter build where 200 pounds looks a little bit better on him than maybe it did Marcel Brooks. But either way, he's somebody that just has that natural athleticism that you want to get 
him on the field right away. Um, you know, this is uh, this is somebody that could really help LSU if he puts it all together in the weight room and just yeah. you know, bring, makes it all come together. Let me ask you one more, and that's from the uh, Lafayette area, from Acadiana High. Um, you can never have enough good cornerbacks. LaTerrence Welch, um, you know, we've lost Stingley and Ricks and McLeathern and Flott, and you've got a whole bunch of new transfers coming in from from UL and from other schools around there. What, what, uh, uh, here's a guy that's used to winning, right? Um, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on LaTerrence Welsh? Well, I think right now, and, and you know, I talked with him just about, uh, probably two weeks ago before he, uh, enrolled at LSU. And, uh, he's still, I think coming back completely from that knee injury. Uh, I do know he's ready to roll in a way that, you know, he can do just about everything, but you still want to see him do it on the field and, and show that he's going to be okay. Uh, just, you know, going through it all because it's, it's just different. It's just different, mm-hmm. you know, playing at this level when, when you're not, you know, far and away the, the best player on the field. So, um, I, I think he's going to be somebody that could provide a little bit of, uh, uh, of depth uh, to uh, to the defensive back room. There's opportunities for him to play right away and, and contribute. I think there's no doubt about that uh, just because of the way uh, he, um, you know, plays when he's fully healthy. Um, but right now I, I think you want to be just a little bit uh, cautious as far as expecting too much out okay. of him. But, you know, it would be a huge, huge help to LSU if, if he surprises and, and makes a big move as far as, um, what he can do in, in, in contributing right away. Gotcha. Billy Embody on 3.com. Who you got tonight, the Celtics or the Warriors? I know you follow that stuff. Come on. Who you got? You know, actually, actually I, don't, I don't follow the NBA really much at all outside of watching former LSU players. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but I will, uh, I, will go, I will go with the Warriors. It's tough to uh, doubt Steph uh, Curry. Yeah. Actually, uh, when I got married a few weeks ago, the Warriors were actually staying at the hotel. So maybe we – Brought them uh, a little bit of luck uh, by by having the wedding where they were staying. So um, awesome. I'll go with the Warriors tonight. I'm I'm much more uh, concerned about uh, my hockey team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, starting up on Wednesday night. The there you finals go. Again. By the way, I was um, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you um, con- uh, on, on your nuptials. That's awesome. Uh, way to go and uh, keep up the great work, man. You're still on the honeymoon phase. That's awesome. Yes, thank you, thank you. Still on the honeymoon phase, only because we haven't gone yet. June 29th, we're we're out of here for two weeks. You'll you'll hear from me uh, in mid July. I, I promise you, you will not get a text from me. I promise you. Go go enjoy and thank you for your time as always, my friend. Great job. Thanks a lot, Jordy. Thanks for having me. Uh, Billy and Body on three dot com um it's crazy um uh, let's see we've done that all right the game clubhouse at 1037 thegamecom or 1041 thegamecom can help you with your date night blues that's because once you become a member of our rewards club you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a 50 dollars gift certificate to the half shell oyster house we want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. I would be shocked um, if Bama gets both of those quarterbacks. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked. It tells me Arch is heading somewhere else. He's heading somewhere. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the SEC with all that pressure. Tennessee, Ole Miss that, that is, you know, is 
uncles uh, were a part of and his and his grandfather was part of. Maybe, maybe well, of course, Texas is coming into the SEC. So forget about what I just said. Forget about it. Um, very, very interesting stuff. We'll see. Um, a lot of pressure on that kid. Just imagine. And just imagine what his NIL deal is going to be. Just imagine. Holy moly. I will take a time out here. This is the Jordy Helfrich Show. We're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for LSU sports and for the Houston Astros. By the way, the Astros will be looking to get back on track with a road series tonight at the Texas Rangers. First pitch is set for 705. And you can listen to all the exciting action live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. How good has Aaron Judge been? I mean, he is on a tear. How good are the Yankees right now? Holy cow. All right, we'll be back. Wrap up our number one next. Welcome back. 55, uh, 56 minutes after the hour. Uh, FYI, free agent running back David Johnson is visiting the Saints today. There's a need there. Um, adding someone would make a lot of sense. He spent six seasons with uh, Arizona, the past two seasons with Houston. He's a free agent. We shall see. We shall see. Coming up, hour number two, NBA draft with John Chepkevich, all things Acadiana with Karaski Melvin, and we'll go around the SEC with Adam Spencer. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for both the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Stick around. Fun hour number two coming your way after this timeout. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on a very sultry, steamy Monday, June 13th, the year 2022. The NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. All those other teams that are out there are anxiously awaiting Thursday, June 23rd, about 10 days to be exact from today. That is when the 2022 NBA draft takes place. We know that the New Orleans Pelicans are at number eight. Uh, We've had our next guest on before early in the process. Now he's been delving in the tape, interviewing players, talking to them. Uh, Maybe he has a a mock draft force or something. I don't know. John Chepkevich. NBA draft research, scouting, and intel at rookie scale. Kind enough to join us. Big John, how are you, man? What's going on, Jordy? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. You might it must be fired up. You're you're a fighting Irish. We we love the Irish because they beat Tennessee. They're in the College World Series. How about that? Oh, that was awesome. I was tuned in the past few days here. I mean, of course, I'm more of a basketball guy, but uh, yeah. that's you know, seeing them pull off that kind of upset like that was really exciting for any Notre Dame alum. So exciting times for sure. I'm not s- sure about the unis, I, but I don't care, right? They they uh, won. They're in yeah, the they're those blue great. with that, the with that gold. Great, he- I don't know about that, John. Excited. <laughs> okay. Um, who's going to be the first pick? 
Ooh, well, for me, I'm still feeling like it's going to be Jabari Smith out of Auburn. That That's okay. sort of been the buzz for a while. Uh, now, of course, about 10 days out from the draft, you start hearing that, oh, that's not necessarily set in stone. And it's probably not set in stone, but there's always a lot of, uh, you know, stuff floated out into the, the ecosphere here to try to throw people off the scent. But my, my guess would be Jabari still. Chet Holmgren's probably the other one in contention. Okay. Um, we know Orlando's the number one pick. Oklahoma City is at number two. Houston, three. Sacramento, four. Detroit, five. Indiana, six. Portland, seven. And our Pelicans at number eight. Who do you think is going to be hanging around uh, and be available at number eight that the Pels are going to have to make a decision about? Give me, give me two or three names you think that might be a tough decision for them. Yeah, so I think last time we talked about a couple names like Benedict Matherin and yep. Johnny Davis and uh, maybe even Malachi Branham as, as all some of these guards that they might be interested in. But I, I kind of think there are two other names that have been getting a lot of buzz lately that uh, you know could be interesting fits, kind of fit the culture of what we saw from the team in the playoffs with uh, – you know, Herb Jones and Alvarado yeah. really getting after it. These are guys that are multidimensional, can do a lot of things. So the first name that I'll say there is Dyson Daniels, who he's an Australian kid who played with the G League Ignite this season, um, you know, six, seven and change, kind of a point guard, kind of a wing, can do a little bit of everything. Um, and I think he could bring an interesting edge to the team. Can he shoot better than Lonzo Ball? <laughs> well, that's, that's what question. he sounds he, like. He does. He does get compared to guys in a similar mold to like Lonzo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. You, you hear those kind of comps as like a connective tissue type guard slash wing. Uh, you know, this past season he shot, uh, I believe the number is 25.5% from three, right? So not, or, or it might be a little bit more than that once the season wore on, but slightly under 30, I think, when it was all said and done. Um, right. So not a great number. But I think that there's enough there to believe that it could come around. He, he shot it really well during his agency pro day as well. Uh, I think he could eventually become, you know, a, at least a league average type shooter, and he excels at just about everything else. All right, so that's one name. Give me another name that, uh, that you like. Well, the other one here is also somewhat of a non-shooter, but uh, I, I think he's really interesting. He's one of my favorite prospects in the draft, and his name is Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Um, has followed a really interesting uh, basketball career trajectory here, uh, you know, spending time overseas, spending time in the States, uh, and ultimately landing at Baylor as a freshman. And the numbers don't pop off the page, but this guy's defensive versatility and activity and potential upside is like, a, you know, four-man or five-man with some playmaking chops as well. He's just a guy that really fits the modern NBA and I think could meld meld well with the guys that are already there in New Orleans. Hmm. Can't shoot. That that really is killing me there, John. Killing me. Um, I know. Just to show I know. I get it. But but one thing to consider, though, is that uh, you guys in New Orleans have a really good track record of improving guys, uh, you know, shooting acumen. So considering that sort of, uh, you know, coaching staff uh, having that track record of doing that and the developmental system there, I think sometimes taking swings on these guys that might not have shot it well so far, but are really good at everything else. You know, your New Orleans is a team that could get them 
you know, to improve their shooting significantly in due time. Uh, Just to show you how difficult this is, if you could go back a year ago and redraft that draft, Cade Cunningham went number one to Detroit out of Oklahoma State. Jalen Green went two to Houston out of the G League at night. Evan Mobley, three to Cleveland. Scotty Barnes, four to Toronto. Would you change anything in that order based upon performance in their first year? Well, it's a little bit hard to say. I mean, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, there, there's some reshuffling you might consider. I, I think Cade staying number one is still reasonable. Um, you know, Evan Mobley could potentially be considered for that slot as well, okay. I think, given his performance, especially early on in the year. But you know, these guys all follow different development trajectories, and it's not always linear. So it usually takes a few years to get really gotcha. comfortable with that. But I think okay. arguments could be made that you could kind of slide some of those guys around, move Mobley up, move Barnes up, maybe slide wow. Suggs down a little bit. Um, okay. But all in all, I think that that draft class uh, showed showed pretty well. And obviously, Herb Jones would uh, be skyrocketing up the list in a redraft. Yeah, second-round pick, pretty good. Uh, last year, the eighth pick was Franz Wagner from Michigan, who went to Orlando. Started off kind of slow, got better. Jonathan Kaminga went one pick Ahead of them, the Warriors are very, very high on him. So um, from an overall standpoint, um, this year's draft, are you excited about it? Do you see really good potential there for teams, maybe not this year, but down the road? I think so. Um, you know, obviously everyone talks about the top three guys, and then you know, you could have bumped Jaden Ivey in there as a fourth Um but then once you get past that, over the course of the year, people were kind of soured on it. But I think if you dig into the rest of the lottery-level guys, there there is reason to be optimistic. Um, some of them could flame out, but some of them could be really solid starters in the NBA. And I think once you get into the mid-to-late lottery, that's really what you're hoping for, right? You might strike gold with yeah. a guy who ends up being a star, but more so you're just looking for a guy who could be a reliable starter on a contending team. I think there are a slew of guys you know, in that range that very well could develop into that. We here in this part of the world, we we're the home for LSU sports last year at number 27. Overall, the Brooklyn Nets selected Cameron Thomas, uh, a prolific scorer in college. He had moments in his rookie season. Didn't you see a good future for him? I think so. I mean, there, there are these guys, I guess the equivalent to Cam Thomas this year might be Jaden Hardy. Um, who played alongside Dyson Daniels uh, on the G League Ignite. Um, similar kind of guy, 6'4", uh, shot creator type. And, you know, these guys, I feel like their ceiling can be a little bit limited because of some of their limitations defensively or in other aspects of the game, right? But there's always a need for guys who can create their own shot, um, especially in the playoffs when things kind of slow down. It becomes a bit more mucked up and, you know, not as free-flowing. There's more time for opponents to focus on you and scout on you. Being able to viably create your own shot is really critical at that point in time. So I think that there's an opportunity for uh, Cam Thomas to, you know, be a contributor on a playoff team and uh, make a difference down the line. Um, what are your thoughts on another LSU Tiger who it's um, out in L.A. apparently for a pair of workouts this week with the Lakers uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday with the L.A. Clippers, and that's Darius Days. 
Uh, Darius Days is, is a fun prospect. Uh, I've uh, had the opportunity to sit down and break down film with him and mm-hmm. uh, kind of behind the scenes do a little uh, – little mock front office interview with him. So I've gotten a, a feel for, you know, his personality, his game and everything. And um, saw him down at the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament in April as well. I mean, guys that are have that size, um, you know, he's just an absolute tank, right? So he can yeah. really bruise people up on the inside, but also is an ultra confident shot maker from the perimeter, um, really can let it fly. And I think you know, there's guys like that that are, you know, six, seven, really strong, can guard up a little bit and can spread the floor. Uh, teams are always looking for guys like that. So he should he should be considered in the, you know, the two-way contract range and not impossible okay. that he sneaks into the back end of the second round. All right. We, we won't hold it to you, but we'll let you get out of here. Um, with the eighth pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select. Ooh. I'm going to go with – let's go with Benedict Matherin. I, just, I feel like that's the way that it yeah. might end up cracking uh, based on how these other picks shake out. And uh, he has a really, really solid trajectory and I think could be a valuable player for the Pelicans if he ends up there. And he's a shooter, right? <laughs> he can shoot and he's athletic. Uh, there it's you a go. matter of, you know, kind of figuring out the stuff in between, right? But, uh, yeah, yep. he, he can shoot the ball. I've, I've always been told that Coach will find a way to get you in the game if you can put the ball in the basket. Uh, so give me that guy, uh, and we'll figure out the rest from there. But, uh, John, thank you. I know you're very, very busy. I greatly appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. I know it's fun, um, and good luck, uh, you know, to your to your team, and let's go from there. Let's go. Yeah, thanks, Jordy. Ten days away, baby. Almost there. There you go. I got you. And he's proud of his fighting Irish for beating the Tennessee Volunteers and getting to the College World Series of Baseball. That is John Chepkevich. Thank you, John. Today is a day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse, right? Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection. Tremendous sides. And so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeouts by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So, you know, go, go, go sign up and go sign up today. We are brought to you each and every Monday by Eon of Lafayette. And um, Tara LaPari is... Uh, right there in charge of all this stuff uh, it's it's the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments remember it's touchless and it is permanent those are the th- the key words it's simple it's easy 20 minutes and an area is done you can do it on your lunch break they have financing available for you everything is there it's a 2020 rue promenade suite 2020 in lafayette soon to be in baton rouge soon to be in mandeville eon of lafayette the best of the best state-of-the-art robotic body contouring laser energy and cooling simultaneously for permanent fat reduction all right we'll be back all things cajuns and acadiana with karaski melvin sports anchor klfy 
after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We are your home for the LSU Tigers. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 13th, 1935. James J. Braddock beats Max Bayer in a 15-round decision to win the World Heavyweight title at Madison Square Garden. The 10-to-1 underdog's life story is later turned into the hit movie Cinderella Man, starring Russell Crowe. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. As I said before, Cinderella Man, one of my all-time favorite sports movies. So that was great. That was great. Uh, The next time the Raging Cajuns line up in any sporting event will be August the 10th when they have a soccer match against McNeese. So there you go. Um, Joining us now to talk all things UL and all things Acadiana, our good friend from KLFY, Karaski Melvin. Karaski, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I am doing good. How are you this afternoon? I am terrific. So how do you fill a three-minute sports cast if you have to do all local stuff? How do you do that? Because there's not much going on. Yeah, yeah, it's not It's not necessarily the easiest. We kind of are coming off the end of Cajun baseball. Um, definitely looking back to that, looking ahead. We also kind of spread the scope out a little bit. You know, with LSU, Saints are getting close, Saints with their mini caps yeah. and things like that. So we okay. kind of, we kind of broaden our lens just a little bit. Good. And sooner or later, go ahead. Good. All right. Um. So the, the 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 athletic year has come to a close. Um. Football had an, an incredible run. I think if you did uh, the latter of most successful, you'd put football at the top. Who would you put second? Was it baseball? Was it softball? Which one? Ooh, that's a, that's actually that's actually a good question. I honestly, I that's would, what I do, Karaski. I probably give Don't you know that by now? <laughs> no, I I do I do. I want to be fair. Um, I would say I would give softball the slight. I would give softball the slight edge. Um, okay. They were they were they were fair, they were fairly consistent and quite dominant. Not only capturing the tournament championship, but capturing it in the regular season. They were, they definitely did set the standard. Cajun baseball were no slouches in their own right. Capturing their 10th Sunbelt Conference tournament is definitely something and also yeah. was an incredible mark. So I would say I would give the slighter edge to softball, but both teams pretty impressive. I, I agree. I, I thought uh, the spring season was, was terrific. Uh, basketball's got to be last. Um, there, you know, there's no contract extension for Bob Marlin. Uh, if there's a hot seat in Acadiana, it's um, at the Cajun Dome with with basketball. Oh no, you, yeah, I would say that. I guess the thing with the fact that all that the deck is cleared with all sports things is like everyone can take a moment and hopefully try to re re up on hope and optimism as it as we come into it of like having some belief that hey. Maybe they will see this turnaround, perhaps. Um, and so maybe a few of the whispers kind of quiet down as everyone's going on their vacations and things of that nature. And then we see what happens when when the gyms opened up again, and then we start the season. All right. Um, 
Karaski, uh, everybody's in the in the name, image, and likeness situation, and uh, Louisiana Athletics and TBG, the Brander Group, have established a group licensing agreement for Raging Cajun student athletes that'll allow them to profit off their name, image, and likeness while utilizing the university's official trademarks <laughs> and logos. That tells me uh, somebody wants a jersey of uh, whoever it may be. Um, you know, that jersey gets sold. Part of the proceeds go to that kid. I've always thought that that was one of the easiest ways and one of the best ways to help student-athletes out. Oh, definitely. And I think that's that's great that the student-athletes have that opportunity to get something off of their name, image, and likeness and everything like that. Also, depending on, you know, the people who are offering those deals, it's definitely motivators to get others, you know, student athletes in like, hey, you know, not only you get the exposure and of course in the television and all the other names and stuff, but like you can get you can you can profit off of yourself. And I think that could serve as a great motivator. Absolutely. Um, that's right. Uh, football coming off a 13 win season, a Sunbelt Conference championship, a victory in the New Orleans Bowl. Um, what are you hearing from Coach Dez, uh, his staff that he's put together, um, the schedule they have to play. What, what do you think is what do you think is doable? I mean, once you once you get to that mountaintop, it's hard for your fan base to accept anything less. But reality comes to play here. Um, what do you, what are you thinking? What do you think will please Cajun Nation? That that is the uh, that is like the thing of of like setting those high expectations that they're going to remain there, and they become... It's not like, oh, you're pleasantly surprised by it. It's like, now this is where it needs to be. I'd like, And I'd like to believe, like, this will just... The engine will keep on humming exactly the same way. I don't. I think there may be still some kind of, still some kind of adjustments. There may be a little bit of growing pains, again, as we're changing with the new, head, with the new leadership. But, uh, you know, I think that's still good. Like, I, the Cajuns will be good this season, you know, and I think that'll be fine. Will it be like the exact copy paste of last season? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think that'll be nearly impossible to uh, achieve that same level. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like LSU. It's kind of like the Saints, all three of our favorite teams. And it's kind of like McNeese because – uh, McNeese had a pretty darn good quarterback in Cody Ogeron. He's no longer there. Uh, so much for the Saints is going to be how good does Jameis Winston play? So much with LSU is who's going to be the starter. Uh, and so much with UL is who's going to be the starting quarterback. Do you think they have it figured out, or do you think it's still um, a, a horse race going into fall camp? I think it's still – I think there's still – working on, on a decision and everything like that going into fall camp. And I'm, I know as soon as the closer we'll get to it, we'll get a decision, but I don't think they're there yet. I think they're still trying to trying to evaluate it and see where they're going to go. And we'll ho- and hopefully we'll see sooner rather than later as who's going to be QB one. Yeah, that's uh that's a big, big question mark going around uh, that uh, they better answer and better answer pretty darn uh, quickly. This is a time of year, high school sports. Um, 
are doing their um, you know, s- summer basketball leagues, volleyball kids are doing their strength and conditioning stuff, football's doing seven on seven and, and doing, you know, getting out in the heat and doing some stuff. Um, is it going to be a good year of high school football in Acadiana yet again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I cannot wait for the start, for the real, for the start of high school football season. Um, I, it'll be my first time going full bore into it. There are great storylines, great, excellent teams. I, it's going to be a fun watch, as it has been for you for the previous few years. Is there a superstar stud in, in Acadiana? I mean, you got you got Arch Manning down in New Orleans. You got Eli Holstein who committed to Alabama. He's in the Baton Rouge Zachary area. Is there is there a thoroughbred in Acadiana somewhere? Not a fair question. I'm blindsiding you. I don't mean to, but if there is, we all should know it. Right, and I, and I think in due time we'll come up to that. I do want to mention about the Arch Manning thing. Like there is yeah. going to be such a microscope on on him this season and you wonder like we talked about expectations like is those expectations going to be too heavy or be like incredibly weighty because it's like this is the second coming of the uber quarterback and it's like is this is he going to live up to that that's a lot of pressure Karaski, let me just tell you this the kid started as a freshman he's had that pressure on him as a freshman as a sophomore as a junior He's going into his senior year. That kid's used to pressure. They ain't no gonna be no, that's not going to be a factor. Um, trust me, he's grown up in that. He's, he's aware of that. He's been used to that. Now, the question is, does he have enough talent around him to help him? Um, that's the big question mark. I don't know. And that's, I don't know. But as far as him feeling pressure, he's, he's had that on his back forever and a day. So not, not that big of a deal in my humble Humble opinion. All right, so um, uh, Karaski Melvin, KLFY, I thank you for your time. Um, so you think it's going to be a really good high school football year? It always is. Uh, and you think the Cajuns are still going to be good, just maybe not 13 wins good, right? Yes. Okay, that's fair enough. It'll, I appreciate your time, my friend. Take care, and you and uh, George Faust, keep on keeping on, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Karaski Melvin, KLFY. Trail is putting on a free all-day event this Saturday at Cafe 20.3. That's at 1500 General Mouton. Now, in addition to free paddling, there'll also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to help build the new Teat for Park and Boat Launch at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are welcome. Trail will match up to $20,000 in donations. Come on. $20,000 comes up to $40,000. So for more information, visit www.latrail.org. That's www.latrail.org. All right, we'll go around the SEC. Three teams are in the College World Series. Can Auburn make it four? We'll talk with Adam Spencer Saturday down south after this timeout on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. 
Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 34 minutes after the hour, let's go around all things SEC in the league where it just matters more. And um, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Won't be long before Saturday down south is uh, is up and running again, Adam. How you doing, man? Up and running again, Jordy. We uh, we haven't stopped, man. We're uh, all in on this baseball thing now. We've got, uh, you know, Potentially another team punching a ticket to Omaha tonight. So uh, yep. you know it's a uh, you know maybe maybe June will be or maybe uh, July will be a little slower <laughs> for us. But, uh, but who knows? Right. I'm uh, I'm staying busy for sure. How are you? Well, no, then then you got SEC media days, so that yeah. that'll it never slows down. It really doesn't. Have you ever since you have been involved with the SEC? And I don't know long, how long that is. Have you ever seen a team more vilified, more disliked? than the Tennessee volunteer baseball team. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to think of anything that's just been so universally hated by uh by everyone outside of Knoxville. So uh yeah, I mean that's 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 tough. I mean I know some of those Alabama teams were unpopular nationwide and no uh you know I know some of these Kentucky basketball teams have rankled fans, but not not the way that uh that this year's Tennessee baseball and last year's team too, but you know, these Tennessee baseball teams are definitely at the top of the list there. I mean, even, uh, you know, even some of their own fans complain about how much attitude they have. So that's, uh, that's certainly interesting to see. Yeah. Um, that was a, boy, they, <laughs> the Twitter world was crazy. Um, talking, down to Tennessee saying, you know, karma, um, you know, you can't, you can't disrespect the game the way they do. You can't act like that. And, you know, baseball gods came down, rained on them. And anyway, I've never seen the team more, more vilified than them uh, universally. So, so we shall see. Um, but the job that Jim Schlossnagel did at uh, Texas A&M, amazing, right? And the job that uh, Mike Bianco did at Ole Miss when everybody was talking about him being down and out and getting fired, and now he's in the World Series, and, and Dave Van Horn once again with Arkansas. So um, three really good guys, uh, guys that do it the right way, I think, um, and uh, it's quite a story, all three of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Dave Van Horn in Arkansas, they, I, you know, there's it's worth asking at this point with 22 straight number one overall seeds not winning the title. You know, it's worth asking if there's a curse there, and uh, Arkansas and Dave Van Horn know all about it. You know, now all yeah. of a sudden they're not the number one seed. They didn't even host a regional, and here they are in Omaha. So, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's certainly an interesting note there. And then you got Ole Miss going to Omaha, and they were probably the very last team to make the field. Right. So, right. you know, that's impressive. That's really impressive to see what Ole Miss has done. But when you have a guy like Tim Elko that just like as much as as much as everybody hates Tennessee baseball, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody in the SEC, even even at Mississippi State, frankly, that doesn't 
at least respect what Tim Elko does for that Rebel squad. So, you know, he's he's such a good player and just such the, the heartbeat of that team. And then, yeah, Jim Schlossnagel, I mean, to do this in year one, you know, that's truly impressive. You know, played the transfer portal really well and uh, just has this team firing on all cylinders at exactly the right time. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. We will see if Auburn can uh, knock down the door and make it four SCT, four out of 18. That would be, that would be something. Uh, Greg Sankey would just be smiling like a Cheshire cat. Um, SEC Media Day is coming up in July. Uh, Brian Kelly will be the first uh, in line. And uh, so that's very, very interesting. We know about the, who the first quarterback is in this, um, in this conference, and that's Bryce Young, the defending uh Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama. Who's the second best quarterback in this conference, in your opinion? Yeah, I have to go with uh, Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, I really, I really like what he did last year. I think it was a mistake not to start him from week one. I think that the Vols, you know, definitely hurt themselves early in the season by not letting him work out the kinks of his game. Um, mm-hmm. in those first couple games. And, uh, you know, I just think that he is, you know, so special when he can, you know, he runs for 600 yards last year. He scores a ton of touchdowns as a runner, but then he also has a 31 to three touchdown interception ratio as a passer. Amazing. Like, yes. He had some of those like high profile overthrows where he missed the receiver by like 10 yards, but like those were, you know, if anything, those were such aggressive overthrows that like, even the defenders weren't anywhere near enough to make a play on it. So, you know, he takes care of the ball. He is a dual threat guy. And, you know, one of the knocks on him is that, like, well, he hasn't had to read a defense yet because it's Josh Heupel's system. And it's like, okay, but, you know, he runs Josh Heupel's system really well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's going to do it again this year with Cedric Tillman coming back as one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. So I've got I've got him. Uh, slightly ahead of guys like uh, K.J. Jefferson, Will Levis, and Stetson Bennett. Will Levis at Kentucky uh, has a new offensive coordinator in Rich Scangarello. Um, Liam Cohn left, um, and, you know, that Levis transferred in from Penn State. He, the final month of the year, he was really good, 16 total touchdowns in his last five games. So I think Kentucky is going to make a move. They're not going to catch – uh, Georgia, but they, they could be a interesting club this year. Yeah. I think that the tough thing for them is going to be replacing Wandale Robinson. I mean, he did it all for that team. And, uh, you know, there's some, uh, concerning news about, you know, a possible suspension for Chris Rodriguez after some legal issues this off season. So, you know, there's definitely some things to keep an eye on in Lexington there, but when you have a guy like Will Levis running the show, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that's just a great place to start. So, like, I just think, you know, they're going to be good. I don't, you're right. They're not going to catch Georgia. And, right. uh, you know, they're going to be in a battle probably with Tennessee for second place to hold on to second place in the SEC East. But that is still a really good ball club that Mark Stoops has. He's bringing in some freshmen. He's, you know, he's got all these great players on both sides of the ball. So I'm not too concerned about Kentucky having too much of a fall off, but I would like I'm to see in fall camp. I would like to see some, some guys emerge as potential weapons for Levis. 
two other players, quarterbacks that uh, I'm really interested to see how they develop and how they do for their teams. One's a new player on a new team, and one is back for his third season in a system. Uh, the first is Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I mean, he, he was hyped as the uh, before last season, number one overall player uh, by many NFL draft analysts. And then and then all of a sudden he was just uh, benched and decided, OK, uh, the, the quarterback that benched him is no longer at Oklahoma either. He's out at USC. Rattlers at South Carolina. I'm interested in your thoughts on him and I'm interested in your thoughts on Will Rogers. History alone tells you. A third season in Mike Leach's offense almost always means a record-setting performance. He had Cliff Kingsbury and Graham Harrell at Texas Tech. He had Luke Falk at Washington State. Third year, they both, all three of them went off the charts. I'm curious as your thoughts on those two quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Will Rogers is going to be solid. I mean, you know, he's even more of a, you know, he's the way we talked about Hinden Hooker, you know, yeah, he runs Mike Leach's air raid to uh, to near perfection. You know, he had a couple of games where he had some interception issues, and uh, you know, but the the issue there with him, and you know, why I haven't mentioned him as like a top five SEC quarterback necessarily, is that you look at his like average yards per throw, yards per attempt, and they're you know mm-hmm. down towards the bottom of the list. So, you know, he's making a lot of short, quick, accurate throws and, and he does it really well. I mean, he's the, he was like by far the SEC's completion leader, um, uh, percentage leader and completion overall leader um, last year. So, you know, he, he, he gets the ball out of his hands and, uh, you know, he can fit it into tight windows, but, you know, there's not a lot of deep routes. There's not a lot of double moves or anything like that in Mississippi State's offense, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, that sort of hurts Will Rogers in the QB rankings uh, a little bit there. And then uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, I think people have soured on him much too quickly. Like, he would have been the starter. He would have been the starter all year at Oklahoma if they didn't have a guy named Caleb Williams on the roster. You know, he's a Caleb Williams is special. And, you know, I think that Spencer Rattler could have worked through his issues last year in a couple more games, but, uh, you know, when you're Oklahoma and you have this five-star freshman, you know, in the wings and, uh, your quarterback struggling, you know, the fans were right to want to see what Caleb Williams had, but I guarantee you if, if they didn't have Caleb Williams on the, <laughs> in the background there, then, yeah. uh, Spencer Rattler works through his problems and, uh, gets everything sorted out, and, uh, and has a solid finish to the season. So I think South Carolina has a great quarterback coming in there, and I'm excited to see what he can do with some of those transfers that Shane Beamer has added. I like the energy that Beamer's brought. I think South Carolina is on the come. I, I really I, I like what I see there. And then the, the Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, we come to the conundrum that faces LSU. Um, I think they have three quarterbacks that all give LSU the ability to win games. I think this is going to be a decision based upon the personality and the what Brian Kelly likes in a quarterback. I, I, I think Miles Brennan might be the safest. I think Jaden Daniels is dynamic with the run game, and I think Garrett Nussmeyer might be the most talented of the three, but he's not very experienced. So he might be that wild card that may drive Brian Kelly nuts. It's going to be a tough decision, but they got three. I mean, that's, that's not very often. You see a team with three quarterbacks, all that can win. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that that QB room is 
very deep, uh, and it's going to be a very tough decision. You know, Jaden Daniels has had some turnover issues, um, but when he's playing well, I mean, he can impact a game with his arm and uh, obviously with his elite running ability. Um, You know, Miles Brennan, people forget that he was playing like a superstar before he got hurt in 2020. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. really lighting things up uh, with before he, you know, took that injury. I think it was against Mizzou that he uh, banged up his shoulder and then some other injury issues also popped up there. So, you know, he, Miles Brennan is a really good quarterback when he's healthy. He just hasn't been healthy in a while. And then, you know, I think Garrett Nussmeyer, I think the obvious answer there is to, you know, keep him and Walker Howard um, sort of in the wings um, just because, you know, I think Garrett Nussmeyer, 2023, you want him to really put his stamp on the job. And, you know, Miles Brennan will be out of eligibility by then. And I think Jaden Daniels will be too, but I'm not 100% sure how much eligibility he has left. But, uh, yeah, I think Garrett Nussmeyer has the the highest ceiling of any quarterback on that roster right now for sure. I agree. Um, Billy Napier left uh, Louisiana to go to Florida. He's got Anthony Richardson. I, I, you know, if it was based on just talent and ability, he might be one of the best in the league, but production doesn't match the um, talent and the ability at this point in time. Do you see him under Billy Napier's guidance? Uh, you know, Dan Mullen's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Just didn't kind of work there, did it? Yeah, I think the the issue though is that you know this wasn't a this was a situation where Emory Jones was struggling and uh, Dan Mullen wanted to keep giving him opportunities with and then Richardson was banged up at times because the style of play that he has you know Richardson it's it's always go- if he doesn't learn to get down and avoid taking some of these bigger hits when he can then uh, you know he's always going to be a bit of an injury risk but uh, there's no denying his his playmaking ability. I think he's the best is the most big play ability of any SEC quarterback. Just, hmm. you know, he's, he's so dynamic when the ball is in his hands and, uh, you know, he can run the ball 80 yards for a touchdown. He can chuck it 60 yards through the air. You know, he's just, he's so good. And I, I just, it's going to be interesting to, uh, to see how he sort of is utilized, uh, by Billy Napier in this new offense. And, uh, you know, if he can stay healthier because, you know, he's going to have to be the guy this year because, you know, their backup is uh, Jack Miller, who transferred from Ohio State and hasn't had a ton of playing time. So uh, they don't have a lot of depth there. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how much the reins can be taken off of Anthony Richardson this year. You, you got to watch out for those quarterbacks that transfer with not a lot of playing experience from uh, Ohio State. Just, just ask LSU about, <laughs> <That's very true. laughs> uh, about that one, right? You know, you just never know. Um, there's a Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, pressure to win. Uh, we are very familiar with Max Johnson. Um, uh, you know, two seasons in the LSU program, COVID in 2020, Ed Ogeron's final season. You talk about a TD in- interception ratio, 35 to 7. Uh, but his accuracy was at only 59%. Uh, is Max Johnson Jimbo's kind of quarterback, or is Haynes King the guy in Aggieland? Um, you know, that's going to be um, an interesting battle to watch. That's one of the more interesting ones because, you know, there's a 10-win expectation this year in 
Texas A&M. I mean, you know, their expectation is actually a national title, but, you know, I think that that's yeah. going to take a couple of years to develop. you got to let that number one recruiting class grow into their roles. Um, but, you know, I, I could see him going with Max Johnson. Uh, you know, I think that Johnson, you know, as you said, with the, Q, the TD to interception ratio, you know, he takes yeah. care of the ball. He makes the smart throws. He doesn't necessarily try to do too much with, you know, there was an exception in one of those games where he like threw the ball backwards over his head or something. I remember I was yeah, like, what, right. what are you doing? Um, but yeah, you know, other right. than that, you know, he usually has pretty good judgment and uh, you know, I, so I think that that is something that's going to win over Jimbo Fisher this year, but uh, Connor Weigman is their, is their future at the quarterback position. And uh, he's going to need to turn into a superstar. I'm on the record as saying Texas A&M, I think, you know, has to be an early favorite for that 2024 national championship, but uh, okay. Uh, Weigman's the guy that has to develop by then. So it'll be interesting to see how, if any, how much, if any, playing time he gets this fall, too. One last question. The Big 12 announced that Brigham Young, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston are all coming on board sooner than people thought. Now, now that leaves Texas and Oklahoma. When do you think they actually leave, finally leave and join the SEC? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I think right now they're set for 2025 um, is the no plan. But, uh, yeah. but I could see that uh, being potentially bumped up to 2024. I don't okay. see it happening for 2023 um, okay. yet, though. But, uh, right. yeah, I could, see, I could see the lawyers getting involved in, uh, in trying to see if they can't bump that up to 2024. But, uh, you know, we know both of those schools aren't hurting for money, and the SEC is yeah. not hurting for money either. So, uh, you know, we'll see so, what happens there. But I could see it happening by 2024. So when they both join, um, the SEC's got to go to a nine-game conference schedule, right? Got to go. I, I think so. Uh, I think okay. that that makes the most sense. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I really think that it, it, yeah, I, I just think there's no way you can't go to yeah, nine can't. games in a 16 team league. I mean, if you stay at eight, then you're just adding to that same problem of uh, making it so difficult to both maintain longstanding rivalries and also, yeah. you know, get these kids to, all across the league to visit every stadium in four years. So, right. We got to get you. Yeah. To, we got to get Adam Spencer, a Mizzou grad to come down to death Valley and come down to tiger town. Come on. That's the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Exactly. I mean, I, I got to experience that uh, death Valley night game atmosphere, you know, so oh, let's get the tigers down there more often. Let's do it. Let's do it. Adam Spencer, Saturday down South. Thank you, my friend. Uh, I greatly appreciate the time and for the, for the um the league where it never stops good luck to auburn tonight maybe there'll be four teams in omaha we shall see thank you buddy yeah thanks for having me i'll talk to you soon all right always fun adam spencer saturday down south we'll take our final time out wrap this bad boy up with some birthday wishes set the stage for tomorrow's show after this time out the jordy helford show 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros Uh, welcome back. Uh, special thanks to our guest today, Ralph Marlborough with the Saints, Billy Embody with LSU football and basketball and baseball recruiting, John Chepkevich with the upcoming NBA draft, Karaski Melvin, all things Raging Cajuns, Adam Spencer, all things SEC. Tomorrow, Hunter Bauer will wrap up the high school football season with some of uh, the high school athletic season and some of the new things with the LHSAA. 
Uh, Alex Myers will preview the U.S. Golf Championship and much, much more. Bob Rose and the Saints News Network will uh, we'll go over day one of uh, Saints mini camp. So there you have it. James, thank you so much. Uh, today is your birthday. Happy birthday. Tim Allen, 69 years old today. Um, thanks to listening in. Thanks to our partners for making it possible. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, same station. Until then, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. Be kind to one another and let's all have some fun. So long, everybody.